What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Investor Friday. I'm John Pearl, and today I'm back at it, feeling refreshed, taking a couple weeks off from doing this. Again, I feel like I say that every time I'm doing these Friday episodes, but doing my best, got to prioritize where to spend my time, how to spend my time, and unfortunately, other areas of life have taken priority, mainly family. But today, I want to start off today's episode with a way that I try to start every day, and that is coming from a place of gratitude. So despite the many shortcomings of our great country, we do have so much to be thankful for. We live in relative safety compared to many other areas of the world right now, and personally, having spent so much of my life, mainly from the time I was 20 until just a few years ago, I spent a lot of my time mentally and physically preparing for combat, having served in the military. And I find it very difficult to ignore what's happening in places like Ukraine and more recently uh, Israel, Gaza, the terrible situation that's happening there. It's horrendous. And I count my blessings every single day that I live in a safe community where I don't have to worry about being invaded by a neighboring hostile force. I'm extremely proud to be an American and to live in a country that gives me the opportunity to go out and build and create wealth for myself and my family. There are a lot of things to love about our country, but there are also some tough situations occurring for a lot of Americans, specifically when it comes to income versus cost of living. So as of today, the annual income that one must have to afford the median priced home in the U.S. is $114,000. The average income from Americans aged 45 to 54, now this is the age group that has the highest earning, the highest income, uh, that's just under $65,000. So to put that into perspective, our highest earning group of Americans, they have an average income of just under $65,000. And as I just mentioned, the median price for a home is $114,000. That's a huge gap. If you haven't noticed, there are all sorts of pickets and labor unions holding out across the country fighting for higher pay. Just last week, I experienced this for myself. I was at a conference in LA and the service industry workers, the, the folks that clean the rooms and do kind of the dirty work in the hotels, they were picketing in the lobby in hopes of getting higher pay. People simply can't afford basic necessities right now in many areas of the country. And this is a major problem that's likely not going away anytime soon. But where there are problems, there are solutions. And as investors, we need to try to identify those problems and find potential solutions. So with the wealth gap increasing and home prices near all-time highs, the opportunity to make money with investment in real estate appears to not be going away anytime soon. But there is an elephant in the room that has everybody on the edge of their seats and sitting on the sidelines right now. And any guesses what I might be talking about? If you guessed interest rates, you're correct. So the current average interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage on a $400,000 home is right around 8%. 
as of this date. If you've been paying attention to what the Fed has been saying for the past 18 months, they've been steadfast with their intent to bring the inflation rate to 2%. So currently, the year-over-year inflation rate is sitting at about 3.7%, according to the Basic Consumer Price Index. I don't know where they get these numbers from, but all I'm seeing is high prices for things like gas, food, rents, etc. So it's well documented that the CPI has been manipulated however the government sees fit to benefit their numbers for multiple decades. Uh, but that's another story. The real question here is what's going to happen to interest rates over the next few years? While no one has a crystal ball, there is one key factor that has been brought to my attention, and that is a statement from Janet Yellen, who is the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury. And so I'm now going to begin quoting some text from an article written on realinvestmentadvice.com, written by a guy named Michael Leibowitz. So on October 5th, just a couple weeks ago, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen made a very telling statement about the future course of interest rates. Yellen says debt service costs will be 1% of GDP for the next decade. So that's, that means 1% of the gross domestic product that the U.S. produces. That's how much will be going to the interest rate payments. Her statement implies that the economy will be strong and the government will run budget surpluses or interest rates will be near zero for the next 10 years. A budget surplus, that means they're making more than they're, they're spending. There is a lot that goes into understanding this, but first, let's discuss the general relationship between the national debt and interest rates. So if $1 trillion of debt with a 4% rate matures and the Treasury replaces it with $2 trillion at a 2% interest rate, the interest expense doesn't change despite doubling the debt. Well, a simplified example, that's essentially what has occurred for the last 30 years. The government replaces its debt with cheaper debt in a falling interest rate environment. But this doesn't necessarily work when the rates are rising. The opposite happens or they don't replace the debt at all. So in the five years leading up to the pandemic, nominal GDP grew at 5% roughly. Nominal meaning not adjusted for inflation. So let's op optimistically assume that growth continues at 5% consistently for the next 10 years. Now let's tack on an even bolder presumption that the government balances its budget every year for the next 10 years, thus the amount of outstanding debt will remain constant. So for context, in the last 57 years, there's only been one year in which the amount of debt has not increased. So in such a far-fetched scenario, the debt-to-GDP ratio would drop considerably to about 70%. However, interest costs would equal 2% of the GDP, so this is much better than the current 3.36%, but Janet Yellen has a 1% objective. So budget surpluses for the next 10 years would lower interest expenses even more and possibly get the interest expense to GDP ratio of 1%. However, the odds of unicorns spraying rainbows across the sky and the government running a surplus are the same, 0%. Consequently, we exclude surpluses as a viable way to reduce the interest expense to a more manageable level. 
The more likely, albeit still optimistic, scenario involves the debt and GDP growing at the same rate. So let's also assume interest rates remain at current levels. In this exercise, we assume an average borrowing cost of 4.75%, which is a little below the current weighted average funding cost for the government. Under this realistic, quote, realistic picture, interest expense would climb to 5.6% of GDP. The only logical variable in the equation that can make Janet Yellen correct is the future interest rate. To arrive at Yellen's 1% figure, assuming debt grows at the rate of GDP, interest rates must be much lower. In time, a weighted average interest rate of 0.85% would put the nation's interest expense at 1% of GDP. When Janet Yellen tells us that the debt cost to GDP ratio will be 1% over the next 10 years, she's really saying interest rates will be below 1% for the next 10 years. Now, part of Janet Yellen's job is to exude confidence to its investors. Uh, in this case, it means telling the public that the current jump in interest rate expenses will not last. While she would probably prefer to be straightforward and say interest rates will be much lower, she also has to be sympathetic to the Fed's job of getting inflation down. Therefore, to walk the party line, she must speak in code, so to speak. Uh, for more context, the U.S. currently has $33 trillion in national debt. The interest rate on those debt payments recently surpassed the amount we spend annually on our defense budget. That means we spend more paying the interest on our debt as a nation than we do on our military. And we spend more annually on our military than the next 10 countries combined. Uh, while nobody can look into the future and say for sure what's going to happen, there are a few options to get the percentage of GDP to 1%. Now, which one of these do you think is the most likely? So first option would mean cutting entitlements. And an entitlement is a government program that guarantees certain benefits to certain groups or segments of the population. Things like Medicaid and Medicare, Social Security, unemployment insurance, welfare programs. So we could get rid of those. We could cut military spending or we could cut interest rates and print more money. The likelihood of the first two options taking place, in my opinion, is very low. So we can cut interest rates to get that GDP ratio down to 1%, but if we cut rates to the necessary levels or print more money, there's only one thing that can come out of that. And that is massive inflation. And then the cycle continues on. So I want to leave you with a question to ponder. What do we need in times of massive inflation? Hard assets, things like real estate, things like Bitcoin, and my two favorite hedges against inflation and out of control government spending, real estate and Bitcoin. I talk all the time about real estate, but I do plan on putting out more educational content around Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a lot of amazing traits that are unique. No other asset class has these. And I want to help educate you on why I believe you should be paying attention to it. I've talked about it a little bit in the past, but... I want to provide more educational content. I'm working hard on that right now. There's going to be more info coming out, so stay tuned. 
Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you guys go on out and get you some. Take care. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Freedom Investor Radio. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. 